Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows the only thing cooler than Merrill Kelly is Skechers Kelly. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And what you, what are those? Wow. I love that. I love that. Did you see there was a, a, a video going around um, during media day about Merrill Kelly's name and how it is not, I think it's his middle name. Uh, and do you know what his first name is? They were asking all of his teammates what his real name is. It's Kenneth. He could have been Ken Kelly or Kenny Kelly, but no, he opted into the middle name Merrill. And I kind of love it because like you just said, it's just not a name we really see in baseball or really in life. He was good tonight. That is the story of game two, which we are going to recap in its totality uh, remember, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Send your emails. We will get to them at some point, maybe in the off day, and maybe not. Jordan, I am here at Globe Life Field. Any echoes you hear in the background, I sincerely apologize to our listeners, but such is the reality of recording late after what was an interesting and then a lopsided game two. Yes, and, you know, we'll... We'll go through it here, but uh, as we talked about with game one, game one felt like multiple different games in one. This was true too, but it really turned in a way that did not make, I mean, of course, the final score nine to one does not look like a game that was a one run game at all, you know, through six innings, but we'll get into it. But at the same time, it didn't really feel that close, even when it was close. I felt like because of Merrill Kelly's performance, the Diamondbacks really did feel in control for most of this game. So let's just get right into it. Merrill Kelly, Jordan Montgomery, and for the first three innings, very little going on. Very little going on. And, and credit to both pitchers. The Diamondbacks, I believe, get two hits in the first three and do not score. The Rangers are held uh, nothing. Nothing. They do nothing. There are no, there are yeah. no things. There are no base runners. Merrill Kelly is perfect through the first three, and the game is moving swiftly. Oh, yeah. We're, we're zooming along. And it did end up being, I, I believe, the, the shortest World Series game we've had uh, in a while, I think since 2017, uh, final, final game time of two hours. And like it was a minute under three hours, and that's you know the fastest World Series game we've had in six years. Top of the fourth, four, uh, first key moment of the game here, mm -hmm. uh, as far as me you know, thinking, okay, what direction are we going? Now, Jordan Montgomery, while he, you know, was three scoreless, was not necessarily looking 
dominant. The stuff was very clearly down. He was not getting any swings and misses. But because his stuff was rather hittable, the D-backs were swinging early, and that kept the pitch count down. And when Corbin Carroll pops out on the first pitch of the fourth inning, I'm like, damn, like he just might just keep kind of getting away with this, with this soft contact, and we'll see how deep into this game that he goes. Next step at Gabriel Moreno works an eight-pitch A-B, and by the eighth pitch, you know, again, as you look at the game day, you see all the pitches away, 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 down, in, staying away from the middle of the zone, but Jordan Montgomery on pitch number eight just lays 93 sinker right up, as center cut as can be, Gabby Moreno, who has crushed lefties all year, did not miss. This is what we call the wheelhouse. <laughs> yes. This is um, – and, you know, Gabby Moreno, the, the, the raw power is only 102 off the bat, but you cannot – you cannot miss like that to someone who hits lefties that well. And and in, a, in an eight-pitch at-bat, too, where you've kind of shown him everything. You've shown him the curveball. You've shown him the sinker, whatever. And he just crushed it. And, you know, it's one nothing D-backs. And then the Tommy Pham show began with uh, two down in the inning. Pham doubles on a grounder down the right field line. Going the other way, he said after the game that his first at-bat, he recognized Jordan Montgomery's sinker who's going to be running away from him as a right-handed hitter. And he made the decision to try and take the pitch where it was going. And he did that in his next two at-bats. Doubled on the line. He then scores on a Lourdes Gurriel single to make the score 2-0 to zero Arizona. Yes, we go to the bottom of the fourth. Back to the top of the order for Texas. But Merrill Kelly does not care. He records uh, another three relatively quick outs. Evan Carter does become the Rangers' first base runner. But Adolis Garcia quickly uh, flies relatively weakly out to right field. And Merrill Kelly keeps on going. Now, Montgomery, at this point, we saw in that inning before, it's like, uh-oh, oh Montgomery. But he comes back out, and he's, he's kind of grinding it out. He's, he's, he's working through it. He's working through it here. Very reminiscent of Zach Gallen last night. Good pitcher without their best stuff and command, making the best with what they have. Montgomery was far from his most dominant self, but he gutted through it and kept his team in the ball game for a while. Bottom of the fifth, Jake gets up and goes to the bathroom. Mitch Garver leads the inning off with a home run. I haven't even seen the video. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I like went back to watch it, and the Wi-Fi here is so bad. <laughs> oh, The Wi-Fi here stinks, and so like I couldn't pull it up on my phone or my computer. I have yet to see the Mitch Garver okay. home run. I know that it was on a pitch like out of the strike zone. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. Um, and again, this is a great example of, I think we joked on yesterday's show, the things that you're missing versus experiencing by being in the ballpark. And there's all kinds of weird, different contributing factors. Yeah. Like for example, Jake, I went to pick up Chipotle for mm. the first two and a half innings of this game, which worked out because nothing happened. But if something notable did happen in the first three innings, which by the box score suggests that it didn't, I don't know. Because I was yeah. I was picking up food. These are the realities <laughs> so. of life. Look, we, we're not going to lie to you here on this podcast. Sometimes well, Chipotle yeah. or the exit of it gets in the way. Well, well, <laughs> well oh wow, well said. Uh, well, let me let me describe to you this home run because it was a a fairly memorable uh, swing of the bat. Now, so one two count quickly again. Merrill Kelly is rolling. Jake is proving that he did indeed have Chipotle. He's just shown me his Chipotle bag, so that's true. I'm glad we both experienced <laughs> no free ads. Chipotle today. <laughs> no free Not spot. Yeah, no free ads. Sorry. Um, apparently free ads. Uh, it is a one-one sinker, low and in. Now the the you know trajectory of the pitch at first it's like oh it's a changeup low and in, but no it was it was a sinker, and he kind of just drops the bat head and crushes it. 
And after what was so, you know, the home run, it wasn't, I mean, it was a notable swing. And immediately on the replay, you know, Smoltz and Joe Davis were like, that's kind of a perfect pitch. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. Like, do not change anything, Merrill Kelly. Like, it is it is working. Like, it's a perfect pitch. And even Garver, when he gets interviewed after in the postgame, and you can see him, like, mouthing to his teammates, like, what, like, I don't know if he was saying what pitch was that? Like, where was that? He basically said afterwards, like, I've never hit a home run on a pitch that low. Like, it was not in his wheelhouse whatsoever. He just kind of dropped the bat, and he squared it up, and it was easily the best swing against Merrill Kelly all night. And he hits... I mean, Kelly hits a spot, too. Like, that's exactly Perfectly. where he wanted the pitch. And sometimes yeah. weird stuff happens in the playoffs. But the Rangers can't turn that into any more runs. Yes. Well, that next that next at bat, we have, I, I guess, did you miss this t- play, too? The Jonah Heim oh, grounder no, down this, the line? This I saw as I was walking back from the bathroom. Okay, so so then 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 describe this play for me. Because Christian Walker, I know he finally had a hit later on in the game. Um, still just really not looking great. Uh, at the plate. However, he made, I guess, three. <laughs> the last one was non-consequential, but very funny. Three incredible defensive plays tonight. And this was the first. A grounder down the line by Jonah Hine. Just a perfect right off the bag. You, this is one of the one of the weirder things that can happen in baseball is the ball hitting the base. <laughs> and Rick Shang and any sort of... Baseball. It, it, it is baseball. It, it doesn't happen as often for a, a for for what the sport is called. We really do not see the baseball that often. Okay, the ball. Base. But in this case, the ball and the base came together, and Christian Walker was not bothered. <laughs> he just <laughs> reached his his base. I, I love that the D bags tweeted. They were like, "That's why they call him a Gold Glover." I was like, "Shouldn't we come up with like a caption about the barehanded play here?" Because <laughs> he had not used the glove. That's great because it's a play you can't practice. No, exactly. You know, like you can't it's ask like, your hit your infield coach to just rip 50 grounders off the base. Right. And to, even if you did, the ball would never go in the same direction. No, it's great. It's, <laughs> it was a really, a really amazing play. And a reminder that it, being able to compartmentalize offensive struggles with defensive competence is valuable when we're talking about a truncated tournament schedule. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Walker, that was on, on full full display in this one. But then they do not score any more in that inning. We go to the top of the sixth. The Tommy Pham show continues. Is there anything else in this in this range here? No, Tommy Pham doubles down the line again, going with the pitch, hitting it to right. Runners on first and second with Alec Thomas up. And Jordan Montgomery picks off Tommy Pham. Or as I would describe it, Tommy Pham gets picked off by Jordan Montgomery. Language is important. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, and this moment, too, another key moment of the game, because the Rangers are trying to find any kind of momentum. And as the play we just described, you have the Garber homer. And then if the ball had jumped over Christian Walker, now you're like, oh, shit, it's spinning in the Rangers direction. Here we go. But when Walker snags it, keeps everything's under control, it's like, okay. And what we see here next from Merrill Kelly is an even more extreme version well, of that. But do you want to talk? We have to talk about the pickoff first. I mean, it was it was about as bad of a wandering off second as you can really have. Yeah, Tommy Pham, I think, just kind of forgot where he was. <laughs> he just, like, didn't know where he was. And here's another thought. If he slides, I think he might be safe. Mm-hmm. Like, he could get a hand in there, but he just is like, ah, nah. I mean, Jonah Heim was, like, pointing at him for a full second and a half. Before, before Fam is like, oh shit, he's probably gonna turn around and throw. Did you see the clip of Rangers pitch coach, pitch coach Mike Maddox? 
I did. I did. The, 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 uh, uh, what was your takeaway? You go ahead first, Jordan. Uh, it's, it's the October of, uh, attaboy toot plans. That's my takeaway. <laughs> yeah. You see Mike Maddox screaming attaboy and he's saying it at Jordan Montgomery for the pickoff. Yeah. Of a course. Positive attaboy. <laughs> but yes. then he may or may not have said, you dumb fuck. Now he might've, it sure looks that way. <laughs> it, I'll say this. It looked enough like it that I asked a different Diamondback about it, but it didn't look a, enough like it that I so I didn't ask Tommy Fam about it. You see what I'm saying? Okay. It was in the line of like I felt confident mm. enough in him saying that word for sure. To ask someone else, for sure. but not Tommy Fam in the press conference. And so for sure, I was. I, I did that in a press it. conference. Tommy, did you? Uh, you see, you were called hey, a, dump, uh, did you a know? dump truck. Yeah. <laughs> also, like. Ultimately, it doesn't end up mattering. Tommy Pham uh, has a four-hit game. Joining Albert Pools is the only player in baseball history with three four-hit games in the postseason. And he eventually got pinch hit for it before going for five. But anyway, sorry. He let's would get have back become, to the game. He, uh, yes. Let's just quickly, we could wrap up Pham as a character here. He is only the 12th player in World Series history to go four for four in a game. Mm-hmm. He would have been the first player to ever go five for five in a game had he gotten that chance. Yes, yes, because the other two before, Paul Molitor, 1982, Albert Pujols, 2011, it was five for six. But still, five hit games are very rare at this time of year, and he was robbed. I'm so disappointed. That was by far Tori Lavelle's worst move of the entire month. Anyway, back to the sequence of events, which is this baseball game, because Tommy Pham gets picked off, and a classic, There's, there's, it's as cliche as it gets. The big defensive play, now again, this was mostly fam fucking up, but the big defensive play carrying that into the next inning offensively. And when you have the top of the order coming up, as good as Merrill Kelly has looked, you think, okay, here we go, Rangers, right? This is it. This is it. And Merrill Kelly says, I do not care for momentum. I do not care for any of that. Strikes out the side. It was so impressive. It was not at no point. And, And remember, at this point, it's two to one. This is not a situation where he was playing with this enormous lead. Like it was right there in range for Texas for much of this game. And Merrill Kelly was completely unfazed, striking out the side in the bottom of the sixth there. Just incredibly, incredibly impressive. Another amazing Diamondbacks pitching performance there. And then at the top of the seventh is when Arizona really starts to kind of uh, push some push some runs across and knock Montgomery out of the game. We got an Alec Thomas double, an Evan Longoria single, and that is it for Montgomery. Maybe a little bit too long, but it's clear that Bruce Bochy wanted to try and get some length from Montgomery after having to use so many bullpen arms last night. Yeah, and you know his pitch count was low, so the stuff was down. And whether his stuff was down, not getting the whiffs, is that because he had to pitch in relief in Game Seven? Is it because he's just thrown a billion innings this year? At the same time, you know who else is throwing a billion innings this year? Merrill Kelly. <laughs> and so you know he's the guy that's just playing in the WBUs, pitching full effort in the WBC in the you know early part of March. So he's had a long season too. Um, but Montgomery eventually uh, gets knocked out here. The Longoria single. I mean, Young. Probably could have made that play, but either way, that becomes a run. Now it's three to one. Here comes Heaney. Uh, Carroll singles again to make it four to one. Dunning comes in for the second consecutive night, gets out of it. Um, but then, you know, bottom of the seventh, Kelly goes back out there and, and finishes seven innings. 
in the World Freaking Series. Uh, striking out Garcia, striking on a fastball right down the middle. I mean, <laughs> Garcia clearly really had no idea what to look for um, against Kelly. And I think as we kind of wrap up the Kelly part of this discussion, I mean, that's the thing with him. You know, Gallon has a deep arsenal too, but five pitches is more than four pitches. And when you're spotting the way that he was, and he has the, the other big difference with him is he's got the sinker. That's not something that Gallon has. And while he's not throwing as hard, they just had no idea what to expect the whole night. And when you're locating that well, I mean, you're going to dominate. I think Gabby Moreno deserves a lot of credit here too, because for if I'm calling pitches for Jacob deGrom, peak Jacob deGrom, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> because it's like, oh, am I going to call the 99 mile an hour fastball or the incredible slider? Like, you know, like yeah. everything is good. Right. With Kelly, where the success is more about sequencing correctly and command and pinpoint control having a catcher back there who understands which buttons to press when literally now that we have pitch comp is super valuable and at the beginning of the season that was not the case i believe for stretches of the season kelly called his own games mm-hmm. that has now changed moreno is mm-hmm. calling every single pitch from behind the dish and for a 23 year old to do that in the world series is remarkable the other thing about Kelly that I find really interesting, when we think about guys with deep repertoires and you think about a guy like Gallon, Gallon is throwing 96 and then he's dropping in a hammer curveball. Everything that Kelly throws is between 86 and 92. You know, four of his pitches tonight, changeup average 90, cutter average 92, four seam average 93, sinker average 92. It's all right there. And so in theory, like the the speed differential would be something you're normally looking for for certain pitches. But if you can locate that well, he there were a couple sequences where he would throw two different pitches that were the same velocity or, or that were nearly the same velocity in the same place. And then they had no idea what to do with it. And it was just a really impressive way to kind of, of course, keep hitters off balance. And especially when you're talking about the lineup this good, I mean, that's that's no small feat. So he was he was marvelous. I mean, his game of his life, everything about this performance was it's why I know they end up winning nine to one, but it's it's the Merrill Kelly game. I mean, he was amazing. I think there's a chance he I thought there was a chance he was gonna go back out for the eight. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, even after, especially at that point, like I just at that point he gets Heim, so he's at eighty nine pitches, right? He's at eighty nine pitches with Low, Young, and Tavares coming up. Now, at this point, this score is four to one. And Ginkle's hot. Ginkle is hot. Uh, we don't end up seeing Ginkle. He's also ready. Happens- to, he's also ready to pitch. He's <laughs> both were true. Both have always been true. Top of the eighth, Chris Stratton comes in. This was if, if we're going back to more some of the Bochi decisions. I found this this sequence a little bit interesting. Chris Stratton comes in for Dane Dunning. Fam leads off with his fourth hit. Amazing. We love Tommy Fam. Guriel, third sack bunt of the game for the D-backs. Unbelievable. The only other team to sack bunt three times this entire season was the Diamondbacks, of course, but that was back in May. We haven't seen this in the postseason in God knows how long. So we have another sack bunt. But then Alec Thomas strikes out against uh, Chris Stratton. Okay? Now, at this point, you have Evan Longoria coming up with two outs and a guy on second base. And they bring in Paven Smith. They pinch hit Paven Smith. And when they pinch hit Paven Smith, instead of sticking with Chris Stratton, they go to Martin Perez. Mm. And they counter with Emmanuel Rivera. And I just, like, to me, like, if you can't trust Chris Stratton, I know it's the platoon advantage. I know Paven Smith, the OBP, pretty good against right-handers. I was, especially after he just struck out Alec Thomas, 
I was very confused by going to Perez there, who's been way worse than Stratton, especially in relief this season. That just seemed like a weird move. Again, is it the biggest deal in the world? Just kind of a strange one. They they counter with Rivera. Perez walks Rivera, walks Perdomo. Marte singles. Longest postseason hitting streak in baseball history. Gotta love the Marte parte. He is just outstanding. You knew he was only going to be quiet against the left-hander. That's the other part of it. <laughs> Why are we keeping lefties in against Marte? None of it made a whole lot of sense to me. Now it's 6-1. to one. Carroll makes it 7-1. to one, And that's pretty much GG. We get a Jace Peterson showing. Jace Peterson and uh, Austin Hedges getting played appearances in back-to-back nights. That is a tribute <laughs> to Garrett Stubbs, if I've ever seen yes. one. <laughs> yes, uh, very straight. I guess we still need to see Jose Herrera at some point, hopefully. Bottom of the eighth, we did see the other amazing Christian Walker, one of the most ridiculous stretches uh, on a grounder uh, from Leody Tavares. Perdomo kind of makes a wide throw. Amazing scoop from Walker that uh, holds up uh, after the challenge. But yeah, we see Jace Peterson pinch hit against Martin Perez. I, I don't understand that at all. I guess you just want Jace Peterson to play. I, I don't get that, but whatever. Eventually, they they attack on a couple more runs. It's 9-1. to one. And then in the bottom of the ninth, we see Luis Frias come in. This is probably the only situation we're really going to see him much in. But this play at the very end of the game, it's two outs. Marcus Simeon has reached first base. It's again, <laughs> there's two outs. They're up by eight. Maybe one more run, one more out. And Luis Frias tries to pick Marcus Simeon off. One problem. He was the only person that knew he was going to try to pick off Marcus Simeon. What was your sense for this play? Was it a pitch clock situation? I don't understand what happened here. It was so funny. Basically, Frias turns. Walker is nowhere near first base. And he manages to throw it to Walker anyway, which I thought was impressive. Managed uh, to to save it at the last second. It was just such one of the funnier baseball plays I've seen in a long time. So just to explain it a little bit, if you are up by a lot of runs late in the game, you will not hold a runner on. You will let them take a bigger lead so that you can play better defense, right? That's the idea. Um, I think Semyon's plan was to take second base, defensive indifference, which I think he ends up doing anyway. And yep. he must, Frias must have seen Semyon scampering out of the corner of his, of his eye and his instinct just kicked into gear and he <laughs> threw the baseball. <laughs> which which is fine. It was just amazing for Walker to even be able to, uh, to even catch it. But uh, again, obviously didn't matter. But just one of those plays that, again, as cliche as it is, I've never seen that before. I've never seen. I've seen like guy isn't holding. Pitcher tries to pick, throws it down the, the line for sure. Or guy when holds you combine, it. Yeah. When you combine the score and the sequence and throwing over it, all that made it way funnier. Uh, but Luis Frias gets the last down of a World Series victory, and this series is tied up. Spin it forward, Jake. You will fly to Arizona tomorrow morning. The D-backs and Rangers will face off once again. Game three Monday night. Max Scherzer, Brandon fought. And I got to say, this is not that we should have looked past these first two games, but this is the game I've been thinking about for four days. This is the game. So, and now I will think about it for 48 hours. So where's your head out as we, as we head uh, back to the desert? I'm just excited to see cold blooded Brandon Fott do his thing again. That guy is the bee's knees, man. That guy's fun yeah. to watch. And I, I, we've said this a lot. Like I just have more confidence in him than Max Trizzer right now, which sounds nutso, but mm-hmm. it's true. I agree with that. The thing is though, I guess my, my one thing on Fott is we see him do it against the Phillies twice. 
Rangers lineup is better than the Phillies lineup. And it's hard to imagine him being better than what Merrill Kelly just was, let alone what Brandon Fott has been. But again, he's another guy where you're you're working with different pitches. You're not necessarily overpowering. But I would say that the most encouraging thing for Arizona, 16 hits. Yeah. 16 hits. They only strike out two times. I know they weren't clearly facing the best versions of these Rangers pitchers. I realize that. At the same time, that has to feel great before you're going to face Max Scherzer. Because as we said before the start of the series, you know who's not coming in to bail out Max Scherzer in Game 3? Jordan Montgomery. Clearly. Right? So it's going to be on Max to actually get through a good chunk of this game. I know they didn't have to use any of their other main relievers. We didn't see Spores. We didn't see Chapman. We didn't see LeClerc. That's great. We didn't see Cody Bradford, whatever. But like, again, at some point, like we really are going to need Max to show up. And this is a hell of a, hell of a, because again, this time it's, it's, it's one, one, right? Last time for game three, the Rangers were up 2-0. And when Max doesn't look good, you're just like, ah, okay, like we we're, we're going to be all right. That's not, it's not going to feel that way this time. Max going back to where his career started. True, 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 true. Many, many moons ago. I'm sure we'll get some footage of young, young Scherzer. Uh, in the mix there at some point. All right, Jake, uh, I know you have other things to do. Uh, like Finish writing and go to bed at a reasonable hour compared to game one and then get on an airplane tomorrow. Thank you for joining me for this uh, episode, this game two recap edition of Baseball Barbacast. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. If you're enjoying these weekend editions, these playoff recaps, make sure you rate and review the show. We really appreciate the support. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this on Sunday. Any final thoughts, Jake? Nope. All right. We will be back on Monday uh, with an episode ahead of game three once Jake is settled in Phoenix. Maybe we'll hit on some other news, some other yeah. things, if anything else percolates. A little playoff postseason World Series bail bag. So I think yeah. send in some some thoughts, questions, takes, comments, sure. feedback, yeah. whatever. Bring it, bring it along. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Enjoy the off day, and we will talk to you all very soon. Goodbye. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.